Jesus is our redemption. Amen? Because that means people like me and like you, we needed someone to save us, to redeem us. That we're going to talk all about that this morning, about this incredible rescue story that the Bible gives us about how Jesus came into our lives and he offered that salvation that only he can give. I don't know about you, but I love a good rescue story. Anybody else rescue story fan? Yeah, they're they're fun, whether it's a firefighter carrying the kid out of the burning building, right? Or the uh, folks going in to uh, rescue the POW who's been captured. Or uh, maybe for you, maybe it's more you're into animals or something like that. And there's, you, you know, my family and I, we had the opportunity to rescue a dog a number of years ago. And we're actually going to be looking to do that again soon because that dog passed away not a long time ago. But we'll wait until we get a little settled in. Now, some of you are like elbowing your neighbor or your family member. You're like, hey, we hate our dog. We could dump him off on the pastor, right? This is so glad I came to church today. Well, not, not wanting that, right? Like we'll probably go a different route. But, but thanks for that, though. I appreciate it. Um, in fact, Pastor Linda Troy, she actually here, she runs an animal uh, rescue uh, ministry on the side. It's called His Eye is on the Sparrow. So if you're looking to uh, rescue an animal, that's kind of a cool way to do it. I don't know exactly how Linda does it, but uh, in our experience, uh, it's, it's a really powerful thing because you go in and they kind of, maybe they give you some stats. They help you understand the problem a little bit. Because you can understand the need for rescue a little more when you understand the problem. As they tell you, you know, there's like 8 million animals abandoned in the U.S. every year. I had no idea, right? Like 8 million of them. And roughly 3 million of those will be euthanized. And that's, that's sad. You know, we're supposed to be caring for God's creation, right? So, so we can't fix all of that. But if we can help, that's a good thing. And these, these places, though, they, they, they really know what they're doing. Because they know that we connect emotionally with our pets, Right? And so they kind of help you bridge that emotional connection. They say, we've got all these pets here, and and they need a forever family, right? The family who's going to take them, they're going to be better than the family who dumped them off in the park or something, right? They're going to take them and care for them. And so they introduce you to to the animal, right? Like, for example, this here, this is uh, Sir Lixalot. I think we got a picture of him, maybe. Uh, Yeah, there's Sir Lixalot, right? And he needs a forever family. He's awesome. He, He loves treats and children and Jesus like and we're going to kill him Tuesday if you don't take him oh no no not Sir Lixalot please God no this can't be true right they're like I have to do something about this and so you adopt Sir Lixalot and five of his friends right because you just can't help yourself you want you want to help we like a redemption story it's kind of who we are as followers of Jesus we like salvation and we want to help others to be saved and so that's one way that it happens now I want to tell you though about the greatest the greatest uh, rescue story out there and it's you and I are part of this it's how God rescued us. And let me tell you, our position when God came and rescued us was even worse than an animal in a shelter or even a child in a burning building or something. We're talking about eternally being separated from God. And, and we're in this message series in the book of Ephesians. Um, it's all about uh, the foundation stones of a church that is built on Christ. What does that look like for us? What does that mean to be a church that's built that way? And, and we're going to look in Ephesians chapter 2 this morning. And Paul begins by telling us kind of where our lives are at before we come to Jesus. And 
spoiler alert, it's, it's not great news to begin with, but it gets better, I promise. So if you're with us online, you can turn there, you'll have it on the screen, or you might turn your Bible. If you're with us here, you can do the same. Um, we'll start in verse 1. As for you, this is all of us, you plural, you were dead in your transgressions and sins in which you used to live when you followed the ways of the world and the ruler of the kingdom of the air, the spirit who is now at work in those who are disobedient. All of us live, also lived among them at one time, gratifying the cravings of our flesh and following its desires and thoughts. Like the rest, we were by nature deserving of wrath. Ouch, it's kind of heavy, don't you think? I mean, some of you are like, can we go back to Sir Licks a lot? That was a lot more fun, right? Because this is saying I was dead, spiritually dead, uh, which, by the way, when you're dead, you can't fix that, right? It's kind of a permanent thing. So spiritually, I had no hope. I was dead. It says that I was living according to Satan's power, not God's power. And it says that basically I was living to just gratify what the flesh wants. I was just gratifying whatever my body says that it wants, not what God would want. So it's not a pretty situation for us, but this is where all of us we begin. Because we start off, we're we're sinners, right? We inherited that from Adam and Eve, and we continue it in our own lives. And, And Paul is really direct about this because it's essential that we understand it. If you don't understand the problem, you can't understand how incredible the rescue really is. You've got to understand where we start so that you can understand how incredible it is that God rescued you and me from that condition that we were in. And, and for some of us, we're just kind of, we go through life spiritually, and we're just kind of moseying. Like, we're not really, we're not sure if we really believe in much of anything, and yet maybe there's probably a God out there. I'm not exactly sure who that God is, what that God wants, but I think I'm good. I mean, life's going okay. I, I'm, I got a job. My family's all right. I mean, I'm sure it could be better, but I don't know that I really need this stuff. I, I'm not sure how important it is. And spiritually, we're just kind of moseying, and we don't really know the danger that we're in. If we don't understand what Paul's saying here, we, don't, we may miss the fact that spiritually we've got a big problem. It's kind of like if you're watching a scary movie, right? You know, you've seen it before and you know that somebody's about to get murdered, right? And they're like, oh, I just think I'll mosey up this little staircase here, you know? Why not? That should work fine. And you're like, no, don't go up the staircase. Everybody knows that's where the murderers are at, right? Like, don't, don't go up the staircase. And spiritually, some of us were just kind of moseying. We're just like, yeah, you know, I'll see. I'll just kind of see what life does. If Maybe if life gets a little easier, I get some more time, I'll give my life to Jesus or get a little more serious about faith or something. I don't, we'll see. It's an easy place to find ourselves. It really is. And we've got to understand how desperately we need this rescue, how desperately we need to be saved from the position that, that we're in. It's a dangerous position. Why? Well, to break it down real simple, The Bible tells us that our sins separate us from God, okay? Because God is holy, righteous, perfect, and I am not. I mean, you've only known me for a few weeks, but you've probably figured that out already. If not, stay tuned. You'll find out real soon. Far from perfect right here, okay? Uh, I'm a sinner. I, I need God's salvation. I need God's grace in my life. It says that for every one of us, that we couldn't possibly work our way into a right relationship with God. Just not, not gonna happen. 
It's not like I could just be a little better and, and be saved, but, but that I am I'm separated from God because of my sins. And so thus I'm cut off from the power source. Now that's not to say that a person who doesn't know Jesus, it doesn't, it's not to say that they can't do anything good. Of course they can. But what it's saying, though, is that that's not going to be something that saves them because all that is, it's temporal. It's kind of like, think of your phone. If you don't charge your phone, it'll work for a while. You've got a battery, but eventually that battery's going to run out. It's temporal. It's not connected to the power source. If you want to have ongoing power, that thing's got to be plugged in, right? And in our faith in Jesus, it's this connection to a power source that's so much greater than us. The power of God working through the Holy Spirit is alive and active in our lives. And so when we give our lives to Jesus, God changes us and he heals us and he restores us and he connects us with that power. Now, how does that happen? Well, most religions teach that it's some type of of works or our efforts that lead to us being saved. You've got to work a little harder. Maybe if you're, uh, for um, Jews, you're following the uh, Old Testament, right? The Jewish law there, right? Or, or for those who practice Islam, uh, it's the five pillars of Islam or other religions that, and, and, and these things have many great things about them and they lead to some great outcomes in certain ways in terms of acting better. But it's not just about that. It's about how is this sin problem solved? My sins have separated me from God, and I can't fix that. Paul made it clear that I'm dead even in my sins. Christianity, you see, is fundamentally different than these other faiths because we believe what God, what God teaches, or Paul writes in these next verses here. Verse 4 says this, Because of his great love for us, God who is rich in mercy, made us alive in Christ even when we were dead in transgressions. It is by grace you've been saved. Now think about that. It's saying that you were dead, you can't fix that, but God in his mercy reached down, doesn't give us what we deserve, in in fact shows us love, shows us kindness, shows us mercy, and shows us grace. That God is the initiator, not me. It's not that I tried harder, that I did better, and God's like, well, I guess we got to let him in. He's doing a little better than he was last year. No. It's God is the initiator of all of this. Continues. God raised us up with Christ and set us, seated us with him in the heavenly realms in Christ Jesus, in order that in the coming ages he might show the incomparable riches of his grace expressed in his kindness to us in Christ Jesus. For it is by grace you are saved. Through faith, it's not of yourselves. It is a gift of God, not of works, so that no one can boast. That's incredible. Maybe for you, you've been around this, this Jesus stuff for a while, and, and you've kind of backburnered some of this. And I want to invite you to just think again of how incredible those verses are. That God loves you so very much, that in his grace, he chose to rescue you. He, he looked at, we, we were more desperate than the, the animal in the pound or, or the person in whatever situation. He looked down and he had love and he had compassion upon us. We were dead. There was nothing we could do about it. Spiritually separated from God, nothing we can do to solve that problem. And he reaches down and saves us by grace through faith. 
And when we respond to that, because you've got to respond, it's a gift. If you don't take it, you don't receive it. When we respond to that grace, it's like Jesus, he comes into our life and he forgives us and he restores us and he heals us. He transforms us. He fills us with the power of his Holy Spirit. So we're not disconnected from the power source anymore. No, we are connected and we're actively engaged in, in growing in our faith. And God even uses us in, in a variety of ways. This is what Jesus does. Why love? God loves you. We're just saying God is madly in love with you. Some of us, we say, oh, I don't know about that. You don't know how much I've messed up. You don't know how much I've done wrong. How could God possibly be in love with a train wreck like me? And that's the thing. You don't earn it. You don't deserve it. It's freely given. Some of us, we want to earn everything. We want to deserve everything. We want to be able to, like, I had a part in this. And in salvation, it's completely the opposite. We believe that this is a free gift just given because of God's love. That that's how incredible it really is. And, and maybe you're saying, okay, that's, that's great, Jesus. Maybe he's, like, one of a bunch of ways to God, right? That's, that's nice. You believe that. That's fine. Well, here's the problem with that. That... A lot of folks believe that if you just have faith in something and you do it well, you're probably good. You just got to believe something and, and believe it. And trust me, I wish that were true because I want everybody to, to go to heaven. I want everybody to be in a right relationship with God. I, I want that. But the problem is that doesn't address the sin problem we're talking about. I can't just hope that my sin problem goes away. The Bible's really clear that there had to be a price that was paid, and that price was paid by Jesus Christ. I couldn't pay it. He came, he lived here on this earth 33 years, tempted as we are, the Bible says, and yet he did not sin. 33 years, imagine that. So he comes here, he lives the perfect life, and he gives his life on the cross for you and for me. And so we can be saved. We can experience this gift of God that is so freely given to us. And Jesus is offering a solution, the solution, to the sin problem. It's not just about believing in something. It's about believing in something that can actually save. I'll give you an example. A few weeks ago, transmission went out on our truck. That's a sad and expensive day. You may have had it happen before. And that day, I'm, I'm blessed to have a lot of people in my life who are really smart, smarter than me in many, many things. And I had a lot, a lot of people that I could have called that day for help, right? I could have called, for example, uh, we're friends with our vet, right? I could have called our vet, said, what do we do about this, right? But I didn't call the vet. Could have called the plumber. He's a great plumber. Didn't call the plumber, right? Could have called any number of people, but I only called one. You probably can guess who, right? I called Chris, my mechanic. I said, Chris, I got this problem. He's like, oh, here's what's going to happen, blah, 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 blah. And Chris could provide the solution. Why would I call him? Obvious. It's not just any person who can fix that. There's actually got to be somebody who's qualified to fix the problem. Why would we assume that our spiritual life is any different? Why would we assume that the spiritual life is just this kind of vague, floaty thing that who knows what really happens here? When God tells us very clearly in his word that, that we're separated by our sins, but that Jesus offers us salvation. He offers us this free gift, and it is amazing news. It's, it's just the best news. I mean, 
Jesus sometimes used financial uh, terms to talk about this. He told some parables this way. One of them, he said there was this guy, and he owed like so much money. And we're talking like tens of millions of dollars. Just money that, think about whatever number to you is such an amount of money that you're like, I couldn't pay that off if I work my whole life. I mean, shoot, I can't even like service the, the interest on that loan, you know? If I had that kind of debt, bankruptcy, right? You know, but there's no bankruptcy option here with this one, right? Because it's, it's, this is what Jesus is talking about. It's spiritual death. And so this guy owes so much money. And the person to whom he owes the money just says, you know what? We're going to write that off. We're just going to forgive it, right? We're not going to worry about that anymore. You need tens of millions or whatever it was. Don't worry about it. You don't have to pay me. In fact, not only that, you don't have to pay me for that. It's like, I'll buy you lunch today, and I'll pay your future debts. That's what Jesus does for us, right? He forgives your sins yesterday, today, and in the future. Imagine if somebody did that. Like if, some, if you owed all this money and somebody's like, don't worry, I'll pay it off. I'll buy your lunch. You have any trouble in the future, I'll pay for that too. Man, I don't know about you, but I'd be excited. Anybody else be excited about that? Some of us would be crying, right? We've got a lot of debt. We'd be happy to see it paid off. Others, maybe you'd be cheering, right? You know, I mean, if somebody, I, I've got a mortgage still, right? I just bought a house. Of course I got a mortgage, right? You know, so I'd be thrilled, right? I'd be like skipping across the stage, right? Because you can't help but smile when you're skipping, you know? It's just state law or something. I'd be excited about this. The gift of God is infinitely better. It's infinitely better. I mean, paying off bills is good, but my bills aren't likely to end in my spiritual separation from God forever. My bills aren't going to kill me here. Jesus has given us this amazing gift, this amazing gift. And so there's so much hope, hope. This morning I was over at Salem. And it's, as some of you know, we have this other campus uh, at Salem that is, it's the oldest Methodist church in Cincinnati area. 1805 is when this thing started. And, the, and so Anderson and Salem have come together here, and we invested a whole lot of money and, and time and effort, and it looks amazing. And Pastor Sue Lee is just doing an awesome job over there as campus pastor. And, the, and this morning, they're baptizing three brand new followers of Jesus. Isn't that exciting? I get excited about that. We're just, it's just starting. I mean, it's just beginning. We barely just opened this thing, right? And they've got this organized plan. They're going throughout the community, and they're praying on every street in that community. They're praying for people. We're serving meals out of that place. Like, it's awesome that here, and it hit me as I walked in, that, that we're baptizing three new people today. And imagine, since 1805, how many people have been baptized in that church? Imagine the work that God's been doing 200 plus years in that place. And it's not done. No, it's just beginning, right? God's had us here. Anderson Hills, we've been a church for 200 years, right? And, and Jesus has been changing lives. I've been getting to know folks here, and it's just amazing to hear your stories. I mean, I've talked to folks whose marriages were like brink of divorce, right? We thought it was all over, and, and we experienced the power of God and healing through God, and, and, and the marriage was saved. Praise God. I've talked to folks, they came here to this church and they didn't know Jesus. And for the very first time, they found Jesus in this place. And they transitioned from death into life. Praise God. 
I've talked to folks who said, you know, I just, I didn't have a hope. I didn't have a purpose. I didn't know, and, and, and I experienced the power of the Holy Spirit at this church. And God has filled me and God's empowered me and he's changed me. And I'm not who I was. I, I'm not yet who I'm going to be, but, but I'm on this journey here. And, and I'm reading the Bible plan. I'm doing these other things. And, and it's helping me to grow in my faith, my life group, all these things. Praise God. God, he's been working for 200 years and he's just getting started. He's just getting started here. It's the next 200 years. God's going to be changing lives here too. There's little ones in the nursery here this morning. They're going to see the next about 100 years of this thing, right? Some of them are going to live a long time. And they're going to see stuff long after I'm around. I'm going to be in the grave somewhere. And God's still going to be changing lives. Because that's what God does. That's how good God is. Because God loves you and he cares about you. And he gave his only son so that you and I can experience salvation and freedom from sin. You can't earn it. You can't deserve it. But he freely gives it. Jesus says this, Matthew 11. Come to me, all you who are weary and carry heavy burdens, and I will give you rest. That's what he invites you to today. To trust him. To stop trying to earn your way into a right relationship with God. To stop acting like somehow you might be good enough that you can like tip the scale between you and God. It's not going to happen. Instead, to trust in this free gift, this incredible salvation that he offers in Jesus. Now, I could end the sermon right here. And we would perhaps assume that our good works don't really matter. Because you're like, well, okay, he made it clear. I don't work my way to heaven. I can't earn a relationship with God. It's just not possible. So I guess I just say yes to this Jesus stuff, and it's done. doesn't matter what I do from then on, right? Okay, the sermon ends, done. Some of you are like, please, God, let him end the sermon right now. I'm good with this. But I can't. I can't because it's not my stuff, right? It's, it's God's word, right? That's, that's the only reason I'm here to talk. It's all about God's word. And Paul's not done yet. And quite frankly, I've only given you half of the gospel story. We've been talking at Anderson Hills about how the gospel has two halves. The first half is what we've been talking about, that God loves you so much. Unbelievable love, free gift of love, undeserved, unearned, and it's just for you. That God looked down from heaven, he saw you, he saw me in our, in our desperate spiritual state, and he sent Jesus to give his life. Thanks God, thanks be to God. That's half the gospel. But the second half is that God calls us to love others. He does. In fact, Jesus was only here on this earth for what, 33 years, right? And then he left, and he entrusted the church with this responsibility to be the hands and feet of Jesus Christ here in this world. That he's not here, and he, but he leaves us and he trusts us and he uses us. And you're like, great, that's why we have pastors and church staff. Well, not exactly. It's all of us. Yeah, I've got a job to do too, but it's all of us together. Because friends, Jesus can use you in ways that he can't use me. You've got friends, you've got coworkers, you've got people and you're in relationship with. God's given you different gifts. He's given you so many things. And God wants to use you. He does. In fact, listen to what Paul says in the very next verse, in verse 10. He says that we are God's masterpiece, created, uh, uh, we, we are God's handiwork, created in Christ Jesus to do good works, which God prepared in advance for us to do. You're God's handiwork. Or his masterpiece. 
that he created you in Jesus Christ. Why? To do good works. So do your good works matter? Absolutely. They don't save you. That's the free gift. But your good works are used by God to build this kingdom, to reach others for him. God prepared in advance for you and I to do these things. So we don't do good deeds because we're trying to earn our way into a right relationship with God. No, we do good deeds because we want to say thanks to God. God, thank you that you love me so much that you sent your son Jesus. Thank you that you did this, that you gave yourself for me. I want to give myself to you. It's a, it's a choice. It's not, not like something that I owe you. It's something that I choose voluntarily to give you because I love you and because I know that you can use me. A number of years ago, I told you our family had the opportunity to, to adopt a dog, and it was an interesting situation because we were planning to go through a shelter, but my wife was in school at the time and for a dental hygiene degree, and she went into class one day, and this girl in her class says, hey, anybody want a dog? I'm taking mine to the pound. And one thing you need to know about my wife is that she loves animals as much as is humanly possible, I think, right? In fact, she has this t-shirt here that says, I don't care who dies in the movie as long as the dog lives. (laughs) So just so we're all aware, if there's a scenario someday where I'm drowning and our dog is drowning, (laughs) yeah, Jennifer's got one life raft. (laughs) She and the dog are cashing the life insurance check, right? That's, I'm going to heaven. That's how it's going to be, right? I've accepted this. So she loves animals, right? And so she hears this, and she's like, well, we got to do something about this, right? And I was a little nervous because I'm like, well, there's a reason why this dog is going to the pound, you know? And, and I don't know if I want somebody else's problems here in our house. Why don't we do like a one-week trial, you know? test drive of this dog, you know? Let's try it out, see how it goes. So we did. And things were going, eh, okay. Uh, not terrible, but not great. It was clear this dog was smart. This dog knew the commands, knew what to do. She just had very selective hearing and obedience, you know? Some of you may have pets just like this, or perhaps people in your family just like this, right? And so, so the dog was, you know, doing okay. Well, I was out in the garage, working on the car, and had the door open, not paying enough attention to the dog, and I hear this noise, terrible noise, coming from my neighbor's house, and my neighbor's outside, and I hear him yelling, so I real quick drop the tools, go out to see what's going on, and it's my, my, uh, my test drive dog has chased the chipmunk up into the guy's gutter downspout, and is not content with that, though. She's grabbed the gutter downspout and is ripping it from side to side, right? Trying to get this chipmunk. And thus, my neighbor's so upset, right? So I'm running towards the dog, trying to stop the dog. Too slow. The dog rips the whole downspout off the house. And no joke, the chipmunk gets launched into the air. And the dog now transitions from quarterback into receiver, And she's right on that chipmunk, right as it lands, right? But I can't worry about that because I'm trying to help my neighbor because my neighbor's not happy with me at this moment, right? So I'm trying to salvage neighborly relationships. Jennifer, at this moment, literally, she's pulling in the driveway from school. And remember, she loves animals more than just about anything on this earth. And and so she opens her door, not knowing what's going on. The dog 
proudly runs up to the car and drops three-quarter dead chipmunk right onto her leg. So now she's screaming because this chipmunk is crawling up her leg uh, in its final breaths here, right? So she's screaming, the neighbor's yelling, and I had only one thought in my mind, and that is this dog has not found her forever home. I'm sure of that. I'm not, like, I don't even have a vote in this situation anymore, right? But you know, by some incredible act of grace, Jennifer decided to forgive the dog, and we were able to help fix our neighbor's house as well, and we decided to adopt Hershey, right? And I think we got an image here that this is her later that day with our kids, right? That was a few years ago, that she became part of the family. Now, why? Did she earn it? No way. Did she deserve it? Uh-uh. Did she have this like incredible, incredibly intes- uh, impressive test run? No, she didn't. She didn't deserve it. It was a gift. It was grace. We simply chose that this dog has a need, and we're willing to, to work with her. And that doesn't mean we're heroes. A lot of you would have done the same kind of thing. But, but it was grace. The dog didn't do a thing to earn that. But here's the deal. In time, the dog would learn to obey. She'd learn to follow the rules. In fact, she would become just the most incredible dog. And we loved that dog so much. It was so hard when we lost her a couple months ago because she's family. She's part of the family. Why is it, though? The dog knows she's got a home, knows she didn't deserve it. She's got food. She's got all this good stuff, didn't earn it. Why does the dog do good? Why doesn't the dog just keep on terrorizing the neighborhood and all this stuff? Well, I believe because she loves us, because she senses our love for her, and she is touched by that love, and thus she wants to be different. She wants to be part of the family in a way that's healthy and productive and all this kind of stuff. And if that's true with an animal, think about it with us. God gave his life for you when you were dead in sins. When there was nothing that you could do about it, you couldn't solve it, Jesus came and he paid the price for your sins and for mine so that you and I could be saved, so that we could experience eternity in heaven with the Lord. And so now, having received the most incredible gift, when you realize how good that is, you want to be different. You want to do good deeds. Not because you're afraid that somehow that he wouldn't love you, but no, because it's a natural response to that love. God, thank you for your love. I want to love you back. And I want to love you by by loving others. I want to love you by being obedient to you. I want to love you by spending time in your word every day. I want to love you by praying. I I know that I can't earn this. I know I can't deserve it. But I want to say I'm thankful. I'm thankful to you, God. And I have the faith to believe, God, that you could actually work through my simple and flawed good deeds. That you could actually use these things. I trust, God, that you did create me in advance to do these. I I trust that you can and you will work through me. That you've given me this life to be a steward of. And I want to give it to you, God. I want to trust you with it because, God, I need you. I need your salvation. I want others to experience that too.
It's a different approach. It's a very different approach than something that you earn because it takes a lot more humility than when you feel that you deserve it. But friends, we've been given the best gift ever and we have the opportunity to share that gift with others as we do good deeds. So I'm gonna pray and I'm gonna invite you. Maybe you haven't made that decision to follow Jesus. Maybe you say, yeah, I am kind of that spiritually moseying person person, and I, I, I need to get serious about this. I haven't actually received that gift of God in Jesus Christ. I'm gonna pray, and you can pray right along with me and ask Jesus to come into your life, because he will. He'll transform you. He'll change you. Or maybe for you, you say, you know, I've done that, but honestly, I've, I've been kind of checked out spiritually. I haven't, really been, I haven't really been invested in my spiritual life. As I sit here and I, I realize the gift of God in Christ Jesus, I, I want to just renew that commitment to him. You can pray right along with me and do that. Let's pray. Jesus, we give you thanks and praise that you loved us so much that you gave your life for us. That even though I was lost, I was dead in my trespasses and sins, that you had compassion on me. Thank you, God. Thank you. Thank you for that free gift. Jesus, I need you in my life. I need you to forgive me. I need you to heal me. I need you to come into my heart to pay the price for my sins, that price that I could never pay. Lord, would you come into my heart in power? Would you help me to experience your salvation? And would you fill me with the power of your Holy Spirit? God, that you would transform me. Lord, I want to give myself to you every area. Even those areas that I'm always struggling, God, I want them to be yours because I confess that I've been trying to do this on my own and it's, it's kind of a mess. And I need you to forgive me. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you that you do that. And Lord, for those of us who maybe realize that we've just kind of been just floating along spiritually, Lord, would you wake us up? Would you help us to see anew your grace and your love in our lives? Would you help us to experience by the power of the Holy Spirit that you are real, that you are alive, that you are transforming lives. And God, I pray that you would use us as a church, your church. Lord, that when we serve, when we love, when we give, when we worship, that people would encounter you. That nobody would look at us and say, oh, they're such a great church. But no, they would say they serve a great God. And that all would know that you are God and that you love them and you offer salvation. Lord, we give ourselves to you in worship. We pray this all in Jesus' holy name. Amen.